0: My message today is praying the good news, praying the good news. When it comes to prayer, often prayer can be mysterious, it can be imposing, it can be a difficult thing uh, to wrap our heads around, And, and often if we think of prayer, a common way of prayer could be something, could be heard something like, well God please forgive me and help me to get to heaven. Help me to stop. If we we really want to go further, we say, "Help me to stop sinning. Give me direction and give me the power to do it, Father." And 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 that's all good, by the way. But this is often how prayer plays out, or how how we might hear somebody pray. We might even, if we go a little bit further, we might even say, "And God, would you give me uh, food to supply my needs today? Would you help me uh, so I can uh, feed my family and supply the needs of those of those around me?" And again, nothing wrong with this. But this is often how how prayer plays out. Forgive me apply my needs, and then we might even say, throw in there and stop all the evil in my life and the evil in the lives of others around me. We might even say, oh, and by the way, God, and heal everyone in my life. Heal me, heal my friends, heal Aunt Matilda, uh, heal Uncle George. And I can tell you that according to the Scripture, God does supply all our needs, and He heals, and He delivers us from evil, and He gives us the power to will and to do His good pleasure. So He He, he, he forgives, and all of these things, they're, they're powerful realities that God does supply. And yet I would propose that, Without the proper foundation, that's my message today, praying the good news, without the proper foundation, we can be left feeling uncertain, unsure, unsteady. And as a result, we may even give up, get tired of praying. We might even... Uh, I, I give up. Uh, we might uh, be, be too imposing that we just don't do it at all. And so I want to pro- propose today, according to the scriptures, praying good news that is meant to be enjoyable, uh, victorious, and to get results. Uh, before we jump into my first scripture of the day, let me share an illustration that I believe helps sets the framework for understanding Praying the good news. Let's say for a, a moment that you received an invitation to come to a, a dinner party. Uh, you opened up your mailbox and there was an invitation from the richest person in in, in in Toronto. Now I'm preaching from Toronto. You you may be watching from around the world. You take your city and you 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 apply it for this illustration. But you receive an invitation from the richest person in your city. We'll take Toronto. In Toronto, to a, a dinner party. You're excited and so you eagerly RSVP back to that. Uh, dinner party. You're excited. You're ready to go. And in some ways, that's a picture of when you know, we we, we we hear the good news of the gospel, that God in Christ has forgiven us, has given, is offering us new life. We receive it. We RSVP. So, but back to the dinner illustration. You got the invitation. You RSVP back. You're excited. Now the date has come for the party. And so you drive up to the gates of this ostentatious mansion, a huge property. You drive up to the gate and you show the security guard your invitation. The security guard lets you in. You begin to make your way up the long lane to the the beautiful, incredibly large house where your host lives. The lane that you're driving up is so long, however, and winding that you get lost and you end up in the rear of the house and you end up entering in through through the servants' quarters, through the servants' entrance into their servants' kitchen. Not even the main kitchen, the servants' kitchen. And there, there's no one to meet you. You see garbage cans. It doesn't actually look all that beautiful, and you're a little bit puzzled. I I, I was really excited to come to this party. My, the richest person in Toronto's invited me, and yet here I am entering the house. No one's to welcome me. It looks a little bit dirty. I, it doesn't see. It isn't what I expected, and, and yet. You're like, well, I, you know, I had an invitation, so you, you think, well, let me, let me go a little bit further. So you kind of unsteadily, uncertainly begin to make your way through that servant's quarters. You can smell some, some beautiful food, and you make your way into the main kitchen. And there, there's a, be- there's many workers, and they're preparing a great feast. And there's food everywhere. There is jerk chicken, and there's butter chicken, and there's there, there's uh, beautiful spaghetti, and there's ham, and there's turkey, everything that you can imagine. And you're now you're feeling a little bit guilty because you know are you even meant to be there but you're hungry you smell the food you might even sneak a piece of turkey if you will you might even sneak a piece of uh, of chicken there uh, and you you munch on it but now you're feeling you know you're feeling almost like an intruder there's no one welcomed you are you even are you even meant to be here the host wasn't there to meet you but you keep creeping your way through uh because after all i did get an invitation uh, but you're uncertain and unsteady. You begin to make your way to other rooms. You come to a living room, a dining room. The dining room is fully set. There's places everywhere people haven't started to eat. Uh, and you're, you're thinking, well, this is strange. I, why isn't there anyone to meet me? What's going on here? Now you make your way to the front of the this beautiful mansion. And there you're in the hallway and you see the host. But the host isn't facing you. The host has his back towards you, facing the front door. And, and uh, as you enter the hallway, the host hears you come in, and and quickly spins around and sees you. But the host is puzzled. You see, the host has been waiting at the front door for your entry. The host has been waiting for you to for you to arrive and wasn't expecting you through the through the servants' quarters. Now he's glad that you came. By the way, he's just glad you made it in the house, and he's glad you made it. But 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 you sit down. Then you sit down with the host, and the host begins to explain to you that you know this invitation to the party it was actually a party for you uh, and at that party the host was about to explain to you that you know he was bringing you onto the inheritance for the entire estate along with alongside his natural children and everything that he had was to be yours and in that moment a light bulb went on and in that moment yes you're excited but you also feel a little bit silly here you are sneaking around the house. Here you are sneaking a piece of turkey when all the while the host was, was, was there at the front door ready to welcome you, ready to throw a party with your, with your name on it. Uh, and now... He's given you everything that you need. Now, of course, when you when you when you come to that palatial house, uh, you, you you just roll up to the front door. You don't barely even need to knock. You come right in boldly, and and, and if you have a need in your life, you you know you might ask the host, or the, the you know you, you, the host just out of graciousness. But you already know that everything he has is yours, so you're pretty bold in asking, uh, and it gives a whole new parameter to how you approach that situation. Again, this is a this is an illustration of our coming to faith in Christ, but. Our, our life within prayer. And, and unfortunately, too many people approach prayer from the back door perspective, sneaking around. And yeah, we might ask God for something, but we almost feel guilty, like we're sneaking a piece of turkey, imposing upon him uh, for even asking. And, and unfortunately, those feelings of unease and uncertainty, creep, feeling like we're creeping around and where's the host, you know, people give up praying and, and never really get to the front door where we were meant to to start our prayer journey. That's why I say pray the good news because the good news is that in Christ Jesus, we are joint heirs with him. God has brought us into the inheritance and he has given everything is ours, you could say. And so in prayer, of course, we ask just like, you know, you might ask your your earthly heavenly father, I mean, your earthly father for something, but you already know everything's yours. You ask with boldness, you ask with confidence, not you don't feel like an intruder. You're meant to be there. You're a child. You've been and this is your party. And so when we approach prayer from this perspective, praying the good news, prayer takes on a whole new perspective. And I propose today, and we're going to look at this, this is my key text, that the way Jesus taught prayer in the Lord's Prayer It is praying from this perspective, approaching through the front door, coming to prayer through the front door, you could say, of the good news of the gospel. And so let's read the Lord's Prayer. There's two places in the scriptures where it is written. We'll read today from Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, and I read from the uh, New New American Standard Bible. In verse 2, and Jesus said, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who's indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, trials, testings, or calamity. Beautiful passage of Scripture, well-known. Many people who barely even come to church, barely even know the Lord, they know the Lord's Prayer. It's a famous prayer. But I propose today that we see how this illustration of coming in through the front door. Jesus teaches us to pray coming into the front door, praying the good news. And so let's take it one by one. Six foundational truths to praying the good news. Number one, Father. Father. Father is a very personal term. In fact, in Matthew, when Jesus taught, when Jesus' prayer is is written in the book of Matthew, it says, our Father. In other words, not just anyone's father, but my Father. It's a very personal term. It's a personal term for you. And so the front door of prayer is Father, starting from that perspective. And Jesus said, to those who believe on him, to them are given the right to be called the children of God. You must know that you're a child of God. You must know that you have a joint, you're a joint heir with Him and that everything that He has is yours. Now I pause just for a moment because I recognize that many people have a negative view of quote unquote father from their relationship with er- their earthly fathers, and that's a very real dynamic in today's society. And so we, we sympathize with that, your, 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 your situation, uh, but I also call us to allow the good news of the gospel to reshape the framework of how we see our heavenly father, not according to a, our earthly father, they, ma- they may have had flaws, maybe they were abusive, maybe they were, were neglectful, but that's not our Heavenly Father. And so we allow the Scriptures to reshape the, how we see the Father from that perspective. But, but, but then when we allow that, we begin to see Father. That's the front door of prayer. That's where we start our prayer, from the Father. He is our host in prayer. And when we recognize Father, He's my host. Now I'm entering into prayer. From that perspective, I can relax. From the very beginning and outset of prayer, relax and enjoy the process. The party is for you, and prayer is meant to be like that. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us probably the most beautiful picture and clearest picture of the Heavenly Father. And it's of a father whose son who who went astray, wasted everything that he was given, and when he was at his end, he limped, limped back to the Father but the father didn't wait for a great penance, didn't wait for him to say too much at all. In fact, he ran to him. A very improper thing in that Middle Eastern setting. But he ran to him, wrapped his arms, and he threw a party and reinstated him. See, this is a picture of father. And it's a picture of us coming to father every time in prayer. Come through the front door of understanding who our host is. He, he is father. And the problem is many times people don't equate this, this understanding of who God is in prayer. They make it, you know, God's ostentatious and he's holy and all these, things. He, of course he's holy, but, but he's distant and it becomes something, you know, people approach prayer in a type of penance, some do it that way, some do it in a type of ritual, uh, others do it in a formulaic way, that if I pray it in a, for, a certain formula, then God's going to answer my prayer. It's not meant to be any of those things. It's meant to be, number one, in relationship with Father. You're not an intruder. You are coming to Father who said every good and perfect gift comes from him father this is how we pray this is the foundation in other words right from the very beginning our host in prayer the father is saying don't be on edge you're not an intruder you don't have to feel guilty for asking you don't have to feel it's all yours anyhow come in and enjoy and relax so number one we start with father understand who we're coming to in prayer number two jesus said hallow it hallowed be your name but hallow it and hallow it speaks of worship worship and worship the word worship means to celebrate the worth of so we start understanding who our host is we're relaxed but now we begin to worship him we begin to celebrate who he who he is and when we but when we come from the foundation of father we worship him from the right perspective the Scriptures talk about the fear of the Lord, and, and, and I could say worship. the fear of the Lord enters into our worship, but recognize what true fear of the Lord is. F- true fear of the Lord, according to the Scriptures, is not a slavish fear of punishment and of mean, vindictive, uh, punitive action according to your actions. No, fear of the Lord means to be in awe of His goodness, awe of how great He is to celebrate Him and His goodness in our lives. And so we come from, from the Father, from the f- platform of understanding father, then we begin to worship him. We celebrate how great he is. We celebrate him, the generous God, an all loving God, a a God of all power, a God who's self-giving, self-sacrificing. We worship him and we get lost in this part of it because we begin to understand he's so awesome. He is so great. And the more we get to know The who He is, the greater the awe, the greater the wonder. And you notice here we've come in through the front door of prayer, Father, and then worship. We still haven't even gotten to our needs. We still haven't even gotten to all the other things. We're just laying the foundation for true and proper prayer, but it becomes enjoyable. It becomes a beautiful thing. So we start, Father, take time to understand who we're coming to. Number two, worship. We worship Him, how awesome He is, how great He is, His goodness in our lives. God, I thank you. And then we come to number three, kingdom third, he says, pray for kingdom. And kingdom speaks of the new creation. The new world that Jesus brought about through his resurrection is this new creation world. And when we reflect on kingdom, we recognize the inheritance that we've received in Christ. That in Christ, a new world has opened up through which we enter through faith in him, and we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, It says in verse 13, He, Christ Jesus, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. And so we recognize that in the kingdom, that the scripture says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. All mine in Christ Jesus. So we go from Father relax, enjoy the, enjoy him. I worship him, and then I get into kingdom. Everything is mine. The inheritance, peace, joy, everything I'm about to ask for, already mine in my inheritance. Everything in the kingdom is mine. The scripture says the prayer of the righteous person gets results. Well, yeah, that's who we are in Christ Jesus. We've been given authority. We've been given a crown of favor. It's who we are. And, and so it's laying the foundation for powerful prayer. Father, worship, now kingdom. Everything's mine. In Christ Jesus. And in the kingdom of God, we recognize that the power is available now. What we need is available Yes, we look forward to eternity, but now the kingdom of God is present. It's it says in the scriptures, Luke chapter 9, that Jesus sent them out, the disciples, to proclaim the kingdom, and the result of proclaiming the kingdom, they performed healings. That, in other words, there is healing for your body today. The kingdom of God is present. Jesus ushered in this new creation, the new, cre- the new world that we live in, and it's ours in Christ Jesus. Healing is ours. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 4 and 20, for the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. There's power in this kingdom, and we're ushered into the kingdom in Christ. Jesus. This is a beautiful reality. And so you can see, already we start from Father, we move to worship, and then we begin to celebrate the realities of the kingdom that in Christ I'm complete, made righteous, everything is mine. And you see what happens is prayer turns into a wonderful celebration of thanks. I haven't even gotten to my problems yet. And we're getting there. He acknowledges bread, he acknowledges evil, forgiveness, all those things. We're about to get there. But right now, it's a celebration of praise. It's a wonderfully enjoyable time before we even got to our problem, before we even got to our our needs. And this is the way that Jesus taught us to pray, praying the good news. Let's get to the final three points, though. Number four, he says bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread speaks of of the needs of life. But when we, again, we've entered through the front door, father. And, And the scripture, you know, there's nothing more natural for a father or a mother to give their child bread my wife and I have two children, and we never think twice about giving them dinner. They may have annoyed us to the nth degree. They're toddlers. They do that. But we'll still give them bread. We won't even think twice about it. We'll give it even if they don't ask. And that's what the Scripture says. It says your father knows your needs before you even ask. And so, but what we approach from that perspective, not feeling like an intruder or guilty, uh, no. And nor do we come begging, like beggarly, worthless worms. No, we're children of God. And so we come just like a child would to his parent. Uh, uh, to receive bread. And, and so again, it, it's an enjoyable thing. We're not, we're not intruders. This is not meant to be a, 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 a weighty thing. I mean, it is weighty, but not meant to be a burden. This is a joyful process. The scripture says in Luke chapter 12 don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Everything in the kingdom healing and power and righteousness, peace and joy. He says he's chosen gladly. He chose and he does it gladly. Give it to you. Don't feel like out of place coming to God worship Him, celebrate Him. Even the prodigal who wasted everything that he had, but when he came back without any penance, without any ritual or formula, the Father accepted him. That happens every time we come to Him in prayer. And so our prayer turns into a celebration of worship. We recognize He supplies all my needs according to His riches and glory. We recognize that you know, the earthly father supplies the needs of birds who neither sow nor reap. How much more does he care for us, his children? And so with this part of asking for bread, it becomes a time of boldness. I thank you, God, that you are indeed supplying all my needs. And so prayer is a beautiful thing. Prayer, praying the good news, turns into a time of celebration. It turns into a time of strengthening for us personally. It's a beautiful thing. Number five, we get to the fifth pillar, the fifth foundational truth of praying the good news. According to uh, the Lord's prayer. Number five, forgive. He says, forgive us as we forgive others. Now, remember, we're praying the good news, and the good news of the the gospel is this. You have been and we have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. Forgiven. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says, in whom, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to his riches and grace. Colossians chapter 1 and 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews chapter 8 and 12, I will, according to the new covenant Jesus, I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. And so we start with Father. We go to worship. We, we exalt the kingdom that I'm in. I have a full inheritance in Christ. God, I thank. then we go to bread. I thank you, supply all my needs. And now we get to forgiveness. And instead of coming from a sin conscious, guilty, anxiety riddled perspective of penance, paying penance toward God. No, we come and we say, God, I thank you that I am forgiven. I thank you that my guilt has been removed. My shame is gone. I thank you that Christ, you dealt with it and you remember my sins no more. Now, now, does that mean that we never say, God, forgive me. No, of course not. You heard Pastor Peter preaching that a couple of months ago. Uh, you know, there, we, it's a relationship. And so sometimes we might just say, you know, I'm so, I, you know I don't like this behavior. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Father. But, but it's not him demanding it. We do it out of love because of how, how much he has forgiven us. And so it's, again, what a beautiful time of prayer. What a beautiful time of prayer. We're not coming on hands and knees begging for forgiveness. We're, no, we're celebrating what Christ Jesus has already done through his shed blood, forgiveness, redemption. And then he says, as we forgive others. You see, this is the beautiful reality. Unforgiveness is a self-sabotaging evil in our, that we bring in a, onto ourselves. Self, uh, unforgiveness of others hurts only us. It barely hurts the other person. And so what G- What we're being directed to in this essence of prayer is focusing on, I have been forgiven. And when we know how forgiven we are, we are set free from the self-sabotaging evil in our lives of unforgiveness. This isn't God saying, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. No, Jesus, He already forgave in Christ Jesus. That's a done deal. But He's saying, now you can be free. Live free from this self-sabotaging behavior uh, uh, of unforgiveness Recognize how forgiven you are and loved you are, and be free. What a wonderful reality! What a wonderful life this is! And that's what Paul said. In fact, Ephesians four, he said, "Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving, even as God, for Christ's sake, has already forgiven you." Unforgiveness is not. You know, if we're, you say, "I have unforgiveness," Nathan. God's angry with me. No, he's not. He's already forgiven you. But unforgiveness is self-sabotaging. We self-sabotage ourselves. We give into envy and all kinds of destructive behavior. And, we, and and it's not that God will come and punish but, 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 but this self-sabotaging behavior has its own natural consequences. It, it destructs our own lives. But thank God in Christ Jesus, He came to rescue us. So we must know how forgiven we are. We must know He's redeemed us. He's brought us back into the family. And we, so it, it does us good to pray the Lord's Prayer. God, I thank you that I have been forgiven. Because the more we know we're forgiven, the more we can forgive others and be free from that self-sabotaging behavior. And I, I know that God's setting people free right now, even in the declaration of these scriptures so so but first we start with father then we go to worship then we go to celebrating the kingdom my inheritance in christ then we go to daily bread god i thank you that you're supplying then we go to god i thank you that you're forgiving me and now i forgive others but finally we get to the part i call help help me god help me be free from the calamities. set me free out of the trials the tribulations in other words don't let me crack under the pressure And there's pressure in life. And and, and so Jesus is teaching. There's nothing wrong with Jesus. Jesus is teaching us to pray this way. And so, of course, yes, there's times when we all need help in life. Let me be very, very clear. And and so, so... But by the time we get to this pillar, we're so in love with the Father, so encouraged in worship, so aware of our inheritance that He's supplying. I tell you, I mean, there's a boldness in this part now. I'm not a poor beggar begging for help from a scrap. No, I know He is coming. I know my help is in the Lord. And I recognize that that the Scripture says, remember, we're praying the good news. James chapter 1, it says, Let no one, when he is tempted, tested, tried by calamities or trials, say, I'm being tested, tried by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and He tempts no one." So get that out of your mind. It's not God bringing evil on your life. But, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability or tested or tried. But with the temptation, testing, or trial, He will also provide the way of escape that you might be able to endure it. And so we recognize, it's beautiful. Yes, I might be in a trial. And there are times when, yes, we do need help. Paul even acknowledged that. Don't grow weary in well doing it. So don't feel condemned if you say, "I, I I really feel like I need help, Nathan. Uh, Did I miss it on the other pillars? Listen, God's just happy you got in the house. If you came in the back door and started at help, no problem. This is not meant to be a strict formula that that if we don't get it just right, God's not going to answer prayer. No, this is meant to make prayer enjoyable, long-lasting, that gets great results, and, and, and unfortunately, when we don't approach it from the right foundation, we ourselves get tired, and we quit, and we give up on a powerful reality in our lives, and so it's an encouragement. that you can. But let me be very clear. If you came in through the door of prayer through help, and you work your way backwards like that illustration I shared from the beginning, the host, the Father, is just happy to see you when you meet. So let me be very clear about that, and there is help in the Lord, and maybe you need help today. He says, I will make a way of escape in whatever testing, trial, calamity you are facing. There is a way of escape in the Lord. And in crisis time, even a mere, you know, it talks about the Hebrew people in Egypt when they were 400 years slaves. And and, and they groaned out to God and He delivered them. Why did He deliver them? Because of the covenant of their forefather, Abraham. We today have a much greater covenant in the covenant of Jesus Christ. And if even a in in that Old Testament covenant would bring freedom, deliverance out of Egypt for those slaves with silver and gold, not one sick nor feeble among them. How much more will just a groan in the new covenant of grace through Jesus Christ produce health, wholeness, silver, gold, help for your needs today, even a groan. And so never feel, well, I came in the back door. Oh, no problem. At least you're in the covenant. I'm simply laying a foundation today for prayer that it's long-lasting, that's foundational, that that produces results, and that that you stick at it and enjoy it. It's not meant to be harsh. It's not meant to be difficult. It's meant to be an enjoyable process, a time of celebration. And so my encouragement to you today is this. Enter through the door, Father. Father, I thank you that you're with me. Father, I thank you who you are in my life. I thank you you welcome me with open arms like you welcomed the prodigal son. Take a, little, take a moment. You could take a long time. You could take a short time, but acknowledge that reality. Then we move to worship. God, you're so great. You're all powerful, but you're all loving. You're self-sacrificing. and you're so good to me. I worship you. I I give you honor. I give you glory. I give you praise. And then we go, Father, I thank you that in Christ everything is mine. I'm not a beggar, but I thank you that uh, healing is mine. I thank you that deliverance is mine. I thank you prosperity. I'm not coming at this from a perspective of a have not, but I am a have kind of person in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that you are giving me my daily bread, supplying all my needs according to your riches and glory. And God, I thank you that you've forgiven me, and now I thank you that I'm free from that self-sabotaging behavior Father, I thank you right now that you're helping me in my calamity, in my trial. You're strengthening me. You're giving me the power to overcome. You're working in me to will and to do your good pleasure. You're giving me wisdom. You're setting me free, a way of escape. Take that into your prayer closet this, this week. I encourage you. And by the way, you can pray on the subway. You can pray in your car. You can pray with your family. You can pray wherever you want. Uh, but I say, come to, the, come to prayer from the front door of God's presence.